See that no one misleads you. The Bible is clear that the last days will be filled with false teachers, deception, mockers, lawlessness, those who love themselves, those who will be unloving and unholy, those without self-control, those who will pretend to know God, yet they are simply whitewashed tombs. There will be no great end times revival, just a great last day's deception. Scripture warns that people will creep into their churches unaware. Who are those creeping in and why are they doing it? The church in the last days will be full of compromise, deception, and a lack of discernment. Life clips will contend earnestly for the faith, as Jude 3 instructs. Warning, the red light has been turned on. Grab your Bible. It's time to expose the dark. book of Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read verse 6. For unto us, Isaiah 9 verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I think most of us have a pretty good handle on the passage that Jesse Duplantis just read. So how does he interpret this passage? Yet the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as dear children. So when I look at Isaiah 9, 6, where is the government now? It's on us. The government of the world is on mankind. So I don't know if you guys were aware, but now you are. The government rests upon us. And because we're made in God's image and in God's likeness, you can call us wonderful. And because we're made in God's image and in God's likeness, you can call us wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God, Christ in us. So I don't know what's more disturbing, Jesse or the yeah in the background. How about no? The everlasting father. Woo! What is he wooing about? Jesse, why are you wooing? I think we're all wooing over that great big red tie you have on. The prince of peace. That's what it means to be the gift that Jesus gave to you. So when you are a gift of God, it gives you the ability to act like God. People get irritated when we act like God. But if we don't, then we're acting like somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Be you therefore imitators of God as dear children. So when you understand that, that's why I live here on earth like I'd be in heaven. I truly am living the Our Father prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? As it is where? So when you go to heaven, is there any debt? Is there any jealousy? 
there any envy? Is there any strife? Is there any age? Oh, Jesus. So how come I cannot live here? Because I am a gift that Jesus gave this father. Like when I get there physically. The father God doesn't know about me. He knows me. And that should scare you, Jesse. And I don't know about him. I know him. And since I know in whom I have believed, I'm persuaded that I am a gift of God to the Father. So that dialogue only gets worse. Let's continue, shall we? So I'll make this really quick while Joel uses a line of a Bible that he never actually even reads. But anyway, one thing I found so disturbing is look at his congregation. Still social distancing, still wearing masks, but I had to throw in this good nugget. Because, of course, Joel does nothing but declare the power of positivity. Here we go. And on a side note, if you were to put him up against a guru or a monk or someone practicing yoga, they sound exactly the same. Don't be fooled by this charlatan. God bless you. I want to talk to you today about I declare. Words are powerful. They have the ability to help set the direction for our lives. When they're spoken over us by someone that has authority, like a parent, a coach, a mentor, they can determine our destiny. The reason some people aren't reaching their potential is they've never had the blessings spoken over them. They've never had anyone declare what they can become, who God says they are, how they have seeds of greatness. If someone can send me the chapter and verse, Thanks. Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare the year of God's favor, to announce freedom to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, good news to the poor. Isaiah went around declaring favor, freedom, victory. All those that would receive it, those that would let those words take root, would see it come to pass. Hundreds of years later, Jesus was in the synagogue in Nazareth. He picked up a scroll that had the writings of Isaiah. Of all the things he could have read, hundreds of different passages, he found this same place and read it to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare the year of God's favor. Jesus knew the power of declaring. He knew you have to hear victory spoken over you. You have to hear abundance, healing, freedom for it to come to pass. You may have heard it in the past, But life happens. 2020 may have taken your passion. You go through disappointments. A dream didn't work out. You're still believing to meet the right person. The thoughts of doubt come. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get well. You've seen your best days. The negative starts to drown out what was spoken over you. That's why you need a fresh blessing. You need fresh favor spoken over your life. You need a fresh anointing. That's what I'm going to do today. Like Isaiah declared the blessing, Jesus thought it was so important that he repeated it. I'm going to declare some things that God says about you. If you will let these words take root, if you will receive them into your spirit, they're going to put you on a path to greater joy, better health, stronger relationships, to new levels of your destiny. These words have the power to ignite something in your spirit, to wake up dreams, to unleash the favor 
the gifts, the potential that God put in you. I mean this with all sincerity. I do not know how any born again believer, Bible-believing, born-again believer in Jesus Christ could sit here. We've sat here for two minutes. I don't know if you feel like I do, but this guy right here, what? I have no words. Like, I have never really listened to a full Jill Osteen message because, well, I'd probably vomit. But this is terrible. Absolutely terrible. So my wish for you, I declare that you would stop listening to this charlatan, heretic, false teacher. This is not the gospel. When Jesus chose his disciples, they were ordinary people, a fisherman, a tax collector, carpenters. Yet he looked at them and said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. They could have thought, what's he talking about? There's nothing special about us. Their reasoning said he has the wrong person. But down in their spirit, something ignited. Something came alive. Their seeds of greatness begin to take root. They felt faith rising up, destiny calling them. Instead of talking themselves out of it, they got in agreement. Yes, we're the light of the world. Yes, we're going to leave our mark. We're going to impact our generation. Jesus spoke the blessing. He declared favor and influence. And because they agreed, they saw it come to pass. They're still affecting us 2,000 years later. Don't talk yourself out of this favor. Don't think of all the reasons this can't happen for you. The blessing I'm about to speak is more powerful than any force that's trying to hold you back. The blessing is not canceled out because of your background, how you were raised, your education. It's not stopped by mistakes you've made, by how long it's been, by disappointments. The blessing is a supernatural empowerment a divine favor that will thrust you where you can't go on your own. I declare for you and your family, this will be a year of God's favor, that new doors are going to open, opportunities are going to find you, good breaks are going to track you down, divine connections, the right people are going to show up, people that will use their influence to help you go further. People that have been ordained to help you reach your destiny. You don't have to make this happen. You don't have to manipulate things, try to convince someone to like you. God has already lined up the right people for you. The point of this week's RLE is I want you to hear messages versus what you actually hear when you have a solid, biblically sound pastor at a pulpit. This next person, kind of like Louis Giglio, flies under the radar because he ever so deceivingly twists in truth. Gentenzine Franklin, I'm probably butchering his first name, is a word of faith heretic just like the rest of them. The caption of this message is how to get a powerful relationship with God. One would think, Yep, that the Bible would be used. So ask yourself, how do you get a powerful relationship with God? Well, this is what he says. There are two reasons why people have powerful relationships with God. Number one, they always, the people who have powerful relationships with God, they always have people pouring into their life. They have pastor, they have other voices, they have maybe someone 
that they're listening to on podcasts, it's feeding their spirit or YouTube or whatever, but they're constantly being poured into. And the second reason that people have powerful relationships with God is through pain and through problems. There's something about pain and problems that drives you to your knees and drives you to such desperation that you begin to seek God. Psalms 9 and verse 10 said, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, O Lord, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You may feel forsaken, but if you will seek God, he will find you. As I said a moment ago, God's definition of wickedness is a person who doesn't seek God. That's astounding to me. God says, that's how I define wickedness, as people who ignore me, as people who have no time for me, as people who never do anything to aggressively pursue me. He said again in Psalms 10 and verse 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. The wicked in his proud countenance says, listen, I don't need to fast. I don't need to pray. I don't have to read the Bible. I thumb through it every once in a while. I I, I can hit skip and miss. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That, God says, is a wicked person. That is not what that means at all. So if I don't pray or fast or read the word, then I'm a wicked person? Again, so deceitful in the twisting of God's word. So clearly, let's all be real here, folks. Every single one of us would be wicked in the sight of God. How does that make you feel? Because they're not depending on me. Their their wickedness does not take time to read the book. Wickedness does not get alone and have a God conscious. That says, God, I need you. The first thing, and he goes on to say in that same verse, God is not in none of their thoughts. In other words, the last thing that comes up in their mind when problems of life come is God. He's like way on down the list. Here's how you know that you're really out of touch with God and you really need something powerful and fresh to happen to you spiritually. When you're not seeking God, the first thing that you ought to do is pray and seek God. But when you're not seeking God, God is not in your thoughts. It's like, well, I'll handle that problem and I'll do this and let's talk about doing this and let's go to that one. Let's do that. But the first thing you ought to do when you're seeking God and you will do is think about God. So as always, it's some truth embedded with nonsense. None of us are wicked. If we don't ever pray, read the word fast ever again, we can become born again and never do those things. God would never see us as wicked. Will we not have a fulfilled Christian life? Most definitely. Let's move on to the last one here this week. So this person here, y'all may know who he is, Greg Rochelle. He is not only the senior pastor, as we see there from Life Church, but he's also the creator of Version, the mobile Bible app. And uh, well, yeah, I don't know if you're a fan of it. I know I use it if I don't have a Bible and I just need to pull up a verse really quick. But as far as using that as my go-to for devotionals or anything else, yeah, it's a big hard stop. 
And I mean, here's this guy who allows all of these different translations, including the message, the amplified and the passion translation to be housed on his app. But this guy here is BFFs with Stephen Furtick. I don't know if you've ever heard him, but he is the typical one. Again, guys, I'm weaving in this week, right? The deception of these messages, though, Kim, sound really good. But if you listen to it in its entirety with your Bible open, none of these people should sound good. A little different this week. I do apologize. It's not my normal hoorah, hoorah type of RLE. But anyway, let's listen to see what Greg has to say. Because again, truth is we are the church. So he mingled in a little bit. Truth with the falsehood. And of course, he had to bring up his experience with his religious church that just didn't accept everybody. Around at some of the people in church, and while it was easy to be kind of narrow-minded or judgmental or hypocritical, when I looked at Jesus, he loved those who hated him. And he blessed those who persecuted him. And he welcomed everybody, even those that religion rejected. My problem started when I started reading the Bible because what I saw in the church that I was going to paled in comparison to what I saw in scripture. So it was 27 years ago on this very weekend that we had a goal to start a Jesus honoring church, a church where everyone would be welcome, everyone would be needed, and everyone would be changed. So today we are starting a new message series called We Are the Church. And the title of today's message is Three Mindsets for a Better Year. And so if we want a different type of a year, if we want different results, I would suggest that we need a different mindset about our own role and what we are to do and who we are to be in the church. And so I wanna give you three mindset changes uh, for our church in Acts chapter two. And the first one is incredibly and indescribably important. Number one, what are we gonna be? We will be an intensely devoted church. Number two, we'll be an irrationally generous church. Devote one thing toward Jesus. What might your one thing be? I'll give you some options. I'm so glad you asked. What might you do? You might start reading God's word. If you're not reading God's word, you might start reading God's word daily. Feed on the living word of God. I'll recommend a little app for it if you need a place to read the word of God. But listen to me, be careful. Be careful because when you start reading God's word, it is living, it is active, and it will get in you and it will transform you and you will not be the same. You might also consider serving in church. I join a life group, but be careful because when you do, you start having accountability in your life and you actually start getting close to someone. You might start tithing, but be careful. I got to warn you because your heart follows where your giving goes. And the more you give, the more you love. And the more you get obsessed with the work of God and what he's doing all over the world. Or you might just commit to pray daily. I mean, like to pray, to, to really intercede and seek God. But be careful, because when you do, you'll start to see miracles. 
So the question I would love for all of you to answer in everything that you heard here today, including those bullet points up top, where is sharing the gospel? Where is being a disciple of Jesus ever mentioned? And I could have listed so many more this week, but I can only go so far and my head can only pound so much. So what I would recommend for everyone to do is stop declaring, because we don't have power to do that. There's no power of I am's or positivity. We can't speak anything into existence. And all of these messages, although on the face they sound really great, really encouraging, they're sugar-coated, folks. So just like sugar can rot out your teeth and it's not good for your health, the same principle applies to these sugar-coated, non-biblical messages. Sorry to sound so harsh, but as sugar will rot your body, these messages will rot your spirit. There's coming a day when some of these, because I don't know anyone's heart, they're going to stand before the Lord. And after he's done judging them, stricter than other people, they will be tossed into the lake of fire. Pay attention to what you're listening to and who you're listening to. The devil is behind all of it.